0: You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you
1: enjoy today's message.
0: Uh, So, uh, last week, uh, matter of fact, let me pray before I start this, because, you know, sometimes I need all the grace I can get. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for another opportunity to dive into your word, uh, to get revelation from you, Father, to have just downloads from heaven deposited on the inside of us, Father, give me the words to uh, navigate and speak and, and bring this in the way that you would want to present it, and it's in your name we pray, amen. So last time I spoke on, uh, we, we were talking about being rooted, and I spoke on being rooted in the soil of Scripture and uh, I, I, I'm kind of doing a series on this because I felt like, even though it's been broken up the last couple weeks, because I feel like it's really important in the season that we are in, not only as this church, but as a church in general. So today we'll be talking also about being rooted in the soil of intimacy, and then the next one we'll be talking about being rooted in the soil of community. And uh, these are all really, really important um, it's, uh, you know, one of those questions that, you know, it answers when we talk about being rooted in the soil of Scripture, it answers the question to every solution and every problem that we have our, in our life is, is in the Word. It's in Scripture. And uh, one of the questions that we asked last time that I was speaking was, um, what does Jesus expect from us? As his disciples. Let's throw that first slide up. What does Jesus expect from us as his disciples? John 15, 16 is uh, You didn't choose me. This is Jesus speaking. This is in red. So this is really important you, you look at this. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And, you know, this is super important because uh, we've got to understand that the most important thing for us to do as disciples is to bear fruit. And not just bear a little fruit, but Jesus expects us to bear a lot of fruit. And, um, you know, that's only sustainable... If we stay connected to the source, to the vine, have you ever seen? I'm sure you guys have done this as a kid, or maybe you've done it as a adult. You've seen a grapevine or some kind of fruit tree or something, and you've broken the vine a little bit uh, from the the main vine, from the you know as it's holding fruit, and then you come back days later, or maybe even a week later, and that vine has shriveled up because when it's broken. There's, it, it, it doesn't have a direct source, a direct source to the main vine. And that's why it's so important for us to understand that we have to be intentional about staying connected to the vine. Amen? It's, it's, it's easy to say it's a lot harder to do. And if you remember last week, I also said that if we are not intentionally being discipled by Jesus we are unintentionally being discipled by the world. Yeah, come on. And, uh, you know, right now right now, in a lot of our churches, theology is changing and there is a deconstruction taking place. And I'm, it's really sad to, to be able to say that. And, it, and it's not based on uh, seeking the truth, but it's based on seeking man's truth. Okay, And it, it's based on when, when man's truth gets inserted, when we don't agree with what God says, and we want to change it to fit to our agenda, right? And right now, what, what that looks like is, it's based off of what's popular in the culture at the moment. And uh, we're, we're fighting with this, you know? And I believe that there's, man, there, we're in uncharted waters these last couple of years, dealing with things we've never had to deal with as the church. And I believe there are a lot of Christians out there that really, truly love people and want to see the world come into the church, but they don't know what to do when people don't like them. They don't know what to do when the world hates them now. They don't know what to do when the world doesn't like what they're saying. And this is happening on a regular basis. And this is why deconstruction is taking place. And um, John 15, 18 says, (laughs) Jesus says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to what? To come out of the world so it hates you. Now, this this shouldn't be a new revelation. I mean, here's the deal, though. Because of all the stuff that's going on, we've flipped into this thing thinking, everybody's going to like everything that we say and everything that we do. And everybody's going to like what's coming, what Scripture says, and they don't like it at all. I mean, they don't. And they expect us to change what it says. You know, if you remember when Jesus talked talking about, hey, they first hated me, you remember when Jesus was brought before Pilate, and Pilate gave the crowd the ability to make a decision whether to release Jesus or release Barabbas. What happened? They... They chose Barabbas. Why? Because Jesus, they didn't like what Jesus stood for. Jesus was coming in to shake up a religious structure that was dominating what was going on in in Jerusalem and throughout the region. And so they didn't like it. And so the religious crowd, the political crowd, began to push people to yell out Barabbas. And they did. And so... You know, we've got to understand that if, if we begin to change the way we present the gospel, it, 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 it's, it's not healthy. You know, we, we think maybe if we soften it up a little bit here or change it a little bit there, uh, that it, it'll, be, it'll be okay, and people will go, oh, okay, we, you know, you didn't say it that hard, and so, you know, we'll accept it a little bit more. But because we don't want to be socially unacceptable, and because we've seen what's happened to others when, when they've done that. Listen, and I'll say this. When we talk about deconstruction, whenever deconstruction happens, sometimes it happens for the right reasons. But whenever you have deconstruction, you're supposed to have reconstruction. And the reconstruction we need to understand is that it has to be founded and in, in based on Jesus and on the foundation of his truth. Not our truth, not man's truth. Listen, the, the church has had a love affair with punishment for I don't know how long. They have had, a, I'll say it again, the church has had a love affair with punishment. We have got to get away from that place, that mentality that God is a, is a God that punishes us. Because that is not new covenant. That is based on legalism. That is based on the old covenant. Right? Everybody agree? No, we're supposed to be different. We are no longer to look like the world or adopt its practices. And in today's culture, that's really going to be unpopular. and It's going to be totally socially unacceptable. But that's okay. Because when Jesus is with you and he's standing with you and he's and you're in him, you can, you can come out on the other side, and you can come out as a winner. You know, Jesus said uh, his father would cut away every branch that does not bear fruit and, and prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. And I, I really believe that what God is doing right now, he, he is trying to grow us exactly where we are in order to be more rooted in his word and being rooted in Scripture and being rooted in His Word, it will help us to be able to stand on a firm foundation of truth. But it, but it also is a place where it brings correction to our internal world, okay? So our thoughts and our emotions come to reflect the truth, right? Scripture tells us who we are. It tells us who we are. I am righteous. I'm bloodbought. I'm redeemed. I'm a son and a daughter of God. But so many of us have been brainwashed through the religious circles that and the message that has been pouring out across social media and, and different platforms. I'm a Christian, but I I identify as a sinner. It's true. And we don't even realize that we're identifying as a sinner. Again, the love affair with punishment has to be broken. And it has been broken. It's been broken by the blood of Jesus. We are no longer sinners just saved by grace. We are sons and daughters of God with an inheritance and a promise. Amen? Let me read this scripture to you. I love this. Let's get my glasses Pause. You're going to like this. 2 Corinthians 6.18 NIV. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, what promises? That we are sons and daughters of God. Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body, and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Isn't that good? Let's get rid of everything that wants to contaminate what God has spoken over our lives. And what he has spoken over our lives is that we are victorious. We are his sons and daughters. We have an inheritance. And, you know, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, we cannot afford... To have any thoughts about us that he doesn't have, Amen. And I'm going to tell you something right now. God doesn't have those thoughts about us. He does not. We have to understand that Scripture helps renew your mind to line it up with what he thinks. And uh, you know, we we must get to the place that we bring our souls which is what mind will and emotions under the authority of scripture so that we line up with our emotions line up our feelings line up our beliefs line up all those things that make us individuals line up with what he says about us and uh, you know as we journey on as we journey on through this this morning a little bit i want us to look at the life of david and look at the different elements that God developed in his root system. And, uh, you know, like David, God wants all of us, uh, he wants every one of us, uh, with every decision we make, not just, he wants us to make, he wants us to come under his authority with every single decision that we make, not just the significant ones. Because it's the insignificant decisions that we don't take to God sometimes that ends up messing us up. The Song of Solomon said, it's the little foxes that come in and destroy the vine. The fruit that we've grown, when those little foxes come in, those little insignificant things that we don't think are a big deal, come in and start taking our fruit. And it's because we haven't stayed connected to the source. So we have to we have to be constantly in a place where we are aware that Every decision we make, whether we think it's insignificant or significant, needs to be ran by Him. Amen? Let's put up that next slide. Uh, I love this. Psalms 91, 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress." My God in him I will trust. This is David. And let me tell you something. Trust is a big deal. Amen. Trust is such a big deal that in our natural relationships, if trust is broken, relationship is broken. The one promise we know and the one thing we can count on is God. We can trust God no matter what. He's never going to break his promises to us. It's usually us that are breaking promises to God, but there's grace and there's mercy. David talked about, hey, you can you can miss it a thousand times, but God is there. You can run to Him. He is He is a source of of He is a source of peace. He is a source of comfort in a day of trouble, and um, I, I just love that you know David began to build this this place of trust with God. At such a high level. You know, do you know the process of David from the day that he was anointed to the day that he stepped in and, and was made king was two decades. <laughs> in America, that, we'd never make it. Because we want fast anointing. We want fast results. We want everything done yesterday. Listen, there's some things that just are going to take some time. And it's not because God wants to make you wait. It's because he's waiting on you to get to the place where you can carry the responsibility and the weight of what he wants to give you. Amen? So, right after David was anointed, he didn't go straight to the palace. What did he do? He went back to the field, and back to the sheep. Yeah. And it was in that field, and it was with those sheep, that he developed a trust and a secret place lifestyle where he would build a foundation of intimacy with God that enabled him to thrive and ultimately fulfill God's purpose for his life. Amen. And he did it so well that even before he was, he was invited to come to the palace, to move into the palace, he was known for the intimacy that he had with God. And when God departed and left Saul, he, he would become tormented and oppressed by the demonic. And he couldn't sleep at night. And somebody came to him they said, Hey, king, there's this kid... That is a shepherd, and he takes care of sheep and he plays a harp, and he, he, sing, he, is, a, he is a singer of songs, he writes you know worship songs to the Lord, and he, they said, "Let us go get this kid so he can come into your into your bedchamber and sing and allow you to, to go to sleep and so that's what Dave, that was the first time David literally stepped into the palace was because of the he was known for the intimacy that he had with God, and when he be, began begin to play and sing, it said the presence of God would just fall in the room, and Saul could sleep Is't that amazing and um uh, you know building a secret place lifestyle like David is crucial in our process with the Lord because it's it's there that we we have a formation of our identities and and it becomes secured. It's where our roots go deep and our, our foundations are poured in order for our fruit to last. Let's throw up this next slide. The first reason to develop a secret place lifestyle is because it's where we will find God. He is always there waiting for us. He's always there for us. Let's read that. The first reason to develop a secret place lifestyle is because it's where we find God. He is always there waiting for us. And I'm going to elaborate a little bit on this. I think God, don't think I'm being, uh, what's the word? Um, Disrespectful or I don't know, whatever. But I think God created dogs for us to experience What it's like to be in the secret place with him. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. This is great. My dog sits in the house all day long. Doesn't know if I'm coming back. Doesn't know what's happening. But she is there patiently waiting for me to come home. And when I walk in the door, she greets me with affection. She is glad to see me. She hugs me. My dog literally hugs me. She she comes up and I put my head down and she puts her head against my head. And then I hug her and I tell her I love her. She's not judging me. She's not being critical of me. She's just glad I'm in her presence. That's what the secret place looks like. God's waiting. And he's there waiting for you to come. And there's times I'm sure he's sitting there going, hey, I've been here this whole time. And you're running to this meeting. You're running to this place looking for a word. You're running over here because this is the next best thing that's happened in town. You're over here running to your friend asking advice. And all I need you to do is show up. All I need you to do is show up. And it's in that place, our answers, our questions are answered. Everything you'll need, everything we will need is found in the presence of God. For it's there that you find the reason you were created. And it's there that God shows you the things to come. It's where you find out why you were created. It's where you find out of the things that come. I'm going to share a testimony real quick. So probably 26 years ago, 27 years ago, I was at Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, my secret place, that time that I spent with God, it it became so vital to my health, my emotional health, my well-being. Because I, I grew up without a family. And I didn't have a mom or a dad I could call when I got into a tough predicament. I didn't really have anybody. But I did have God. And when I would go into the place, the secret place, I would find out who I was. He would give me the answers that I was looking for. And he would show me of the things that were to come. I hadn't seen my mom since I had been 12 years old. And I'm 22 at this time. And I'm in my secret place and I'm praying. And the Lord speaks to me, not an audible voice, but if it it could have been audible, I would have heard an audible voice. And he said, you need to get your relationship right with your mother because she's not going to be here much longer. And out of that time in prayer, God instructed me what to write, what to say, what to do. And after I came out of that prayer time, I sent that letter. And within three weeks, that letter went to her. And on the way of her return letter to me, she died. And in that secret place, that intimate place, the mercy of God met me. Because God knew if I didn't redeem that relationship it would have haunted me for the rest of my life. In that relationship, even though it was on pen and paper, it was redeemed. So when she passed away, there there was no guilt. There was no condemnation. There was no, I mean, there was maybe a little regret, but God just healed my heart. He, he really did. And, and I couldn't have got that unless I had been there and I had gone into... That secret place of asking God, what are we doing today? What are you going to do in my life today? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do? Put up that next slide. The second reason to develop a secret place lifestyle is because it's where you encounter his love for you. if you you know Mickey Gillie sang a song a long time ago for you country fans looking for love in all the wrong places <laughs> true story how many how many can attest to that right i think man you guys are all going to have to come down here and repent put your hands up <laughs> i know every one of you look for love in other places come on you got to be honest it's in that place that your love for Him will be ignited. It's in that place where a root system and a love for God is born. And it's in that place that it begins to translate into the things He cares about and the way He does things. They begin to rub off on you. Do you know that? It's in that place that it translates that the things that he cares about, the things that he wants to do begin to rub off on you. Amen. This is a lot better than you guys are acting like it is. I'm telling you right now. Why? Because you encounter his heart and his thoughts about you, which in return shapes how you live and think. We can see this. I mean, it's, we can see this in the life of David. Whenever he was faced with opposition and in, in that intimidation of a giant, what happened? He knew who he was, and he did not operate out of fear, but from a place of strength. Amen? First uh, Samuel 17, I'm not putting it up there, but First Samuel 17, here's, here's the layout. All of Israel... And all of the Philistines are down in this valley, and they've come to war. They've come to fight. The armies of Saul and the armies of the Philistines. And for 40 days and 40 mornings, their champion, the giant Goliath, who was over 9 feet tall and carried all this armor, he would come out, and he would taunt the armies of Israel. For 40 days, they had to listen to this guy run his mouth. And 40 mornings, and he'd do it every morning. He'd come out, and he'd basically say the same thing. Send me your champion. Send me your warrior. And if he'll come out here and defeat me, it's done. We'll, we'll all go home. It's over. Nobody would come out, and nobody would face them because he was so terrifying. And um, until the day that a young shepherd boy was sent by his dad to go to the front lines to bring his brothers some food. And as he's delivering the food to his brothers, you know, of course, his brothers are giving him a hard time. Why are you here? You're just here because you want to see the battle. He's like, man, what are you? why are you busting my chops? I'm here because Dad told me to bring you some food. I wouldn't have brought you anything, but Dad said, bring you some food. So I'm bringing you some food. I'm, I'm, that's not in Scripture. I just added that, okay? So... They're like, okay, whatever. And while he's there, he hears this guy get up and start just heralding these obscenities and these gestures. And he's like, who? He, he literally, something on the inside of him rises up. And he says, who is this guy? And, and they're like, well, don't you know? That's so-and-so and so-and-so, you know. And he's like, oh. No, this this isn't right. So he goes to Saul and he says, "Hey, I'll be your champion. I will go. I will do it." And Saul kind of looked at him like, "You're kidding me. There's no way you're you're a young kid. He's going to destroy you." And it's <laughs> it was so foreign for him to even think about withdrawing. Why? Because he'd been spending time in his private time, in his secret place, with the God of all the universe. And God was starting to rub off on him. And so he began to think like God. So it was so foreign to him to even think not to challenge this because he knew the faithfulness, And he knew he could trust God. We know the story. Why could he trust God? Because God had delivered him from what? The lion, the bear. He delivered him probably from no telling how other many other scenarios that he had been involved in. It was all because it was from the secret place lifestyle that David was commissioned. You know, today in our religious circles, he would have been commissioned because his gifts and his talents and his appearance Oh man, he looks good. Man, you got a lot of great gifts. Man, we can use that. Come on. Come on up here. But you remember what God said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or heights or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? The heart. God was talking to Samuel about all of David's brothers who he was just sure up and down because of their height, their good looks, their stature, whatever, that they should have been king. You know why? That's how he picked Saul. I mean, he did hear from the Lord too, but he originally, his first initial response was, oh, this guy is a head and shoulders, remember? Head and shoulders above everybody else. He's strong, he's got, you know, he's got this stature, he'd make a good king. And you remember, the people wanted it so bad that God let him ha- have Saul as their king. But God said, don't look at the appearance, look at the heart. And, um, ah, man, it's so important because, you know, when you separate yourself to the secret place, it's it's from here that the Lord begins to shift the narrative That's been shaping your perspective on your time and place in history. And and let me say this. You may have giants that you're facing right now in your own lives. But guess what? You will defeat them from the secret place. The giants you are facing right now, you will defeat them from the secret place. You know why? Because that's the place where you'll become strengthened. That's the place where God is. That's the place where you feel his love for you. That's the place where you'll begin to think like him. All things are possible to those who believe that he is the God of the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. And if we will put ourselves in a place where we seek first his presence, and we go to the secret place, the intimate place, we will be able to defeat the giants that are in our, in our lives. And we will get stronger, and we will overcome everything that the enemy throws in our path. Every opposition. And it might not happen overnight, but you know, you know, you, you, it's, it's like I said, this old country thing. Say, so you know, I might not be the sharpest tool in the shed, but if I keep hitting it long enough and hard enough, eventually I'll cut it. <laughs> and that's, that's how God views us because his patience is long-suffering. And he knows if you don't quit and you don't quit on him and you keep trusting him, it's not a question of if you're going to have victory. It's a question of when. You already do have victory in the spiritual realm. But it manifesting, sometimes it, it takes a few days. Or, or in David's case, a couple of decades. But listen, he didn't quit. I just want to encourage you guys this morning. Don't have any quit in you. Don't quit. Keep moving forward. Keep going after it. When when you're faced with opposition, don't quit. Keep going to the secret place, because it's in the secret place where you're going to find out who you
1: are. Amen. Craig, come on up here. Come on, give God praise for it. what what a powerful word, powerful word. If you would stand to your feet, nobody move around. If you just stay there, this is going to be very important, connected to the message that you've heard this morning. When I got up, I actually got up, you know, went into the secret place, and I didn't know he was going to be talking about the secret place, but I just got before the Father, and I said, Father, what is it that you want to impart today? What is it that, you know, the message of intimacy, the secret place, what is it you want to do? Because I believe every time we come in this place, it's not just going to be uh, worship and hearing a message But that you're going to leave with something tangible that's going to change your life. I believe that. Now, here's the cool thing. I learned from Dr. Kenneth, uh, Doctor they call him Papa Hagen. And Chris has got some connections to that and our foundation. Um, One thing I learned from him is... Learning to rest, and God will actually show you the services. When I used to travel, I would preach on Sunday morning, Sunday night in a place. And I would go to the hotel, and In the old days, I used to study and get my notes out and do all, you know, busy, busy, busy. And he said, just rest. Just lay down. And he said, what's going to happen is God's going to show you the service, and he's going to show you the whole thing. Just, I saw this morning... I saw the worship, I saw Jake, I didn't see every word, couldn't remember everything he said. And then I saw Chris and what he was going to share. And then God said, I want you to, I'm going to release an impartation today over my people. And so I want you to hold your hands out. And I want you to close your eyes so you're focused. And I want to block out all distractions. It's not going to be very long, but this is going to be super powerful. It's going to radically change your life. He said, I want to release an impartation. The first thing is... For seven years, for seven years, when I left full time pastoring, I lived in the secret place for seven years, and God supernaturally provided for me. It was like the ravens came and fed me bread and meat and water, supernaturally. Tara would know this. I did not work a job really. Full-time for seven years, I lived out of the secret place. And I heard the Lord say, today, I'm going to release you into another level of intimacy in the secret place. And it's going to release supernatural provision in your life. Now, I want you to receive that right now, supernatural provision in your finances. Out of intimacy, inheritances are going to be restored. Inheritance has everything that God has given you to do what God has called you to do. And it's going to be restored financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationships, ideas, everything that you need to fulfill your assignment. The Father is releasing right now, this morning. I want you to say, I receive that inheritance right now. The second thing is, and it's interesting that he used this verse, but oh, he didn't actually refer, he didn't say the verse, but he said twenty seven years ago, and the Lord this morning gave me Psalms twenty seven. He said, "I'm going." The second thing I'm going to impart is, I'm going to put you in a place of, uh, I'm going to put you on a rock, in a place of intimacy, out of the reach of your enemy, where he cannot reach you. And I heard the Father say, I want to release elevation and breakthrough in the areas that you have struggled. Where the enemy has kept you held back and limited, the Father says, I'm elevating you and I'm releasing breakthrough. And I want you to receive that right now in your spirit. Elevation and breakthrough. Elevation and breakthrough. You're not going to be in the fight. You're going to be above the fight. God is elevating you right now. You're no longer living in the struggle. You're living above the struggle. And I want you to say, I receive that right now in Jesus' name. And then the last thing, Psalms 91, and I didn't know he was going to reference that either. It says that in that place, the secret place, he overshadows you. And I heard the Father say, I'm going to release an impartation of hunger for the secret place. And when it says, he will, he, Almighty will overshadow you, that word Almighty is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. So I want you to hold your hands out one more time. And what I want you to do, this is the end. I want you to focus on that one thing, that giant. I put that in my notes. The giant that has been standing in front of you. That one opposition. The devil doesn't have many threats, but he's got one that he tries to use against you and he constantly revisits that but today God's going to give you ter- permanent breakthrough in that area that giant's coming down that giant is coming down I want you to focus on it and then I want you to take a minute and I want you to see yourself living in the lifestyle of the secret place it literally means the father's living inside of you it's not just a geographical place but it's when the Father is so abiding in you the overshadowing you that every place you are becomes holy ground. Just do that right now. What is it? What is it? That one area. This is our. This is our ministry time. Just let him impart. part. And then once you have received it, when you when you know you have received it, I want you to throw your hands in the air, and I want you to. Sh- He said, I want you to celebrate with shouts of triumph. And the Lord says, when you do that, that thing's going to be removed. That giant will no longer be there. So I want you to do that right now. Oh, man. Come on, his glory right now. Just a minute longer. We don't know how to be still sometimes just to let him do it. I'm going to say this, and then we'll go home. David the shepherd didn't become David the giant killer when he showed up at the battle lines. David the shepherd boy became David the giant killer when he was on the back side of the wilderness living in the secret place. The secret place is where you are transformed from your natural identity into your supernatural identity. So I declare right now, just like... If you want to picture it this way, that Superman would go into the phone booth and he would come out, transformed. Right now in the spirit, that's where you are. And I declare that this week, you're going to see supernatural victories that you have been longing for. And there will be different. And you're going to be that, you are that giant killer. Turn to somebody and say, you are that giant killer. Hallelujah. Well, we love you guys. Listen. If you do need prayer, the the, um, ministry team will be here at the front. We love you. What an amazing word. Listen, go this week. I want to challenge you. Go this week and listen to that word again. Once that podcast goes up, go back and listen to it. And then do the second thing. Share it with somebody else. Wasn't that an awesome word? How many of you are grateful for what God's done in your life today? Come on, give him praise. Not me, but give him. What kind of level of praise are you going to give him? What an awesome day. We love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.
0: For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.